Today we're going to be talking with Sean Phillips with Down South Trappers. In my opinion, one of the best trappers in the state of Alabama. I'm Jamie Sparks, and this is the Alabama Sportsman. Mount Chihau is my Everest, and the Coosa is my now. Alabama's where I was born and raised, and I think I'll stay a while. We sing about sweet home. Sean, how'd you get started in trapping? Probably born into it. Was Wasn't it? no doubt about it. I was born into it. I've, I've been... I think probably the earliest pictures I got of me doing it, I wasn't even four years old yet. So, Dad has has done it since you know he was a teenager when the fur market was booming. Um, the majority of people kind of gave up on it in the 80s when the fur market dropped, but Dad just was one that 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 loved it, stuck it out, and always you know even after he he was a coal miner, but he. He always did it when he had a chance to. Every year, even when he, there wasn't any money involved in it, he did it for the love of it, and uh, it kind of involved into what we we have now. Joe, did you did you and your dad both all y'all grow up in Tuscaloosa? Yes. All right. Yeah. Granddad and all. Was your granddad? Yeah, no, nah, we're all we're all out of Tuscaloosa. All yeah. Right. It, my granddad was trapped some, and it was actually later in life is when he did a lot of his trapping. It was my great great granddad that that was more so the trapper than my granddad that's awesome um he you know they that's that him and dad used to run around together dad used to run around with his granddad and, and trap when yeah he, when he got into it so heck yeah you're talking about the fur uh the price of the furs what is it right now uh right now it's that you can make money on coyotes right now and you can make money on bobcats right now um the coyotes are actually at the all-time high what's that uh, I sold a lot of mine last year for about $75. The year before that, wow. I sold some for $115 for just the pelt. Wow. And, and well, it's you watch the market, and what's driving the market, there's one particular item that's driving the market right now, and it is there's a company called Canadian Goose Down Jackets. Uh, you can go to most of your outdoor stores, and all it is is a ski parker, ski parka, uh-huh. and it has fur lining the hood and that fur happens to be coyote oh. so they'll take one coyote and they'll split it up four or five times and take them make five coats out of it and they're selling them coats for six hundred dollars a pop right. <laughs> and they're, they're goose down too right they are yeah. they are so there it's, it's kind of a global thing what's driving it um the bobcats they still kind of go into the luxury market a little bit um you know i sold some last year we didn't get but ten dollars for them um they grade them that's when they're real strict on that but uh some of them went for 165 i think was it but depending on what part of the country you're from other parts of the country cats are worth way way more you know six hundred thousand dollars a pop but for a bobcat for a bobcat that's crazy oh my it is. God. if you go to arizona yeah the, the just how their cats are out there that's the top of the line on good years there's cats sell for three thousand dollars a pop Holy for mackerel. one pelt, for one, one, one pelt, for one. one pelt. Oh, that's got, that's got, yeah, but it's Wonder a different wor- it's a different world out there, and the, and you're not going to produce the number that you are here in Alabama. We have an exceptional amount of cats, and we have an exceptional amount of otter. Um, it's our terrain, how thick our terrain is yeah. when, you, when they're clear cutting, and you have all it's a pine. We have pine plantations, and they clear cut them, and then you have them thickets grow up, and that just our coyotes are extremely high in the number per square mile compared to a lot of the places. Um, and then otter, you know, there's a lot of places in the country that you can't 
catch but one otter if you can catch any otter they just do not have them yeah but down here most of the bass fishermen know we're we're lucky in the state of alabama there are, there's bass lakes bass rivers everywhere right fish you can fish everywhere yeah well with that comes a high number of of, of river otter mm -hmm. and um I think we sold 125 of them that we that we caught this What's year, and, all, and they all come out of they all come out of Bass Lakes. That's where we're catching them. And what the otter, on good years, the years that that what was it now? About 12 years ago, well, it was when we we was in the Olympics in China in Beijing mm -hmm. that year. The year before that, we were selling Alabama River otter for 250 dollars a piece. Right mm. now, wow. present right now, present day. Forty dollars a piece. Forty dollars. Yeah. It's so dropped. it's just it's up and down. It's that, up and down. Uh, how many? How, go ahead, Lana. How long can you sandbag? Like you know, like stockpile. How long can you? Depends on de depends on your if you have the ability to hold it like what we do. Um, usually everybody sells once a year, and okay. and unless you have the ability to go further than that, that's that's really what you need to do. Um, what's it I've, take to What's it take to store them? Your pelts. I've got a walk-in cooler. Walking cooler that, that I can keep them that I've kept them up to four years for. Well, you keep them um, 40, 41 degrees, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, down at our hunt club in Bibb County, we got a little creek down there, and it's it's full of otters, a little family of otters, you know, down there. So that's the first otters I've ever seen. The the and you'll have two animals that you, you there's a lot of people don't see a lot of. One is otter, and one is bobcat. Yeah. And it's not because we don't have them, because, like I said, the state has the highest numbers of both of them animals compared to the rest of the country. Um, otter is a big part of what we do. It, it makes, that's the most, uh, he's a very efficient predator, and they hunt in a family pack is what makes them bad. But yeah. when you, when you, when you got a lot of the guys have got bass lakes now, and they're, they're dumping money into fertilizing the lakes, they're stocking the lakes, they're feeding them um they've got the habitat in there you know they've put a lot of money in in the lakes and they're just we'll get to call and they're like well man i almost think somebody's sneaking in the lake but we've seen <laughs> some otter in there and we want you to come in there and catch the otter we're here here's the numbers on the otters they eat a third they have a really high metabolism rate mm -hmm. they eat a third of their weight a day which is about five pounds that's a lot of food for that one animal but like i said they're a family oriented animal so you're looking at a pack usually being about three to five in the southeast so you're looking at about 25 pounds of food a day where in the winter months when you have no amphibians you have no reptiles the only thing in the water system really is the fish itself right um you're looking at 25 pounds of fish a day in the winter time right well that's 750 pounds by the end of the month if they was to do that all year, you're looking at about 9,000 pounds of fish per year. That's a lot of bass. That's a lot of bass. <laughs> now, it does change. It won't be all bass. It, it When you start warming up and you have snakes and turtles and everything oh, like yeah. that, mussels is a big part of their diet. Um, but I have seen them clean lakes out. We do a lot of catfish lakes. That's one of our big clients, Paul Bryant. Um, you know he owns a lot of lakes in, in our in our region that we do and and they will they in the fingerland lakes they'll they'll go in catch a fingerland come out the water on the bank take one bite and go fishing again yeah. they're they're like a cat in that aspect they don't necessarily kill because they're hungry they kill sometimes just for the sake of killing for the chase for the chase yeah mm -hmm. so. how many how many furs do you usually sell a year 
What would you think? We we shipped four thousand hides this this <laughs> went from the, this winter. Now now some of that was was hold over um, because the market is so bad. We we had held our coons a couple years. Coon the coon market is horrible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I would say on average we're looking at around we, we about two thousand a year. Yeah. So but that's just winter caught fur when you have a when you have fur trapping season in there are certain animals that you can't pursue really except in the winter months when trapping season in just like you couldn't unless you're deer hunting right um then you have certain animals like the coyote that you can kill year round um the fur is not worth anything anyway you know it gets thinned out they get their summer coats on even starting in february their fur is not worth anything um but you know we a couple years ago we sent 450 coats to canada so is we're, that where you export Canada? Yeah. That's where all – we could go to the middleman, but pretty much all the middlemen are going to Canada. Now, there's a few other outlets that have overseas <coughs> markets, but everything overall, unless you look at the luxury market, your high-end market, which is like the Arizona cats I was talking about, the majority of your fur is going to go to Russia, is going to go to China, um, your your cold regions in Europe and stuff like that is where they depend on fur. It's not a luxury item to them. In Russia, I mean, they 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 right. you you wear fur because it's cold. Yeah. It's extremely cold. It's cold. You have to. And that's <clears throat> not to get political, but the whole Trump thing. I would, <laughs> wouldn't mind them working the thing out the the sanctions out with Russia, and that you would see an increase in the fur market. That's one of the things, both with China and Russia. One of the reasons the fur market is in the pot right now compared to what it was five years ago is because of the sanctions. Now, that is what it is, um, but that's, that's, that's what's going on with the fur market. So, yeah, so it could hip, hip you out a little bit, put a little bit more money in your pocket. Oh, yeah, I got, I'll, I'll, I'm all for being friends with Russia. Oh, yeah. I mean, when it, comes, when it comes to the money end of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard that. Big question, you know, you see it on Facebook all the time. How many coyotes, how many deer do you think a coyote eats a year? Depends on the coyote. I think coyotes in a lot of ways are like, okay, you look at a person, you look at people, and you can look at some people, and some people are good fishermen. Some people are good hunters. What's the old saying? Some people are hunters, some people are gatherers. Mm -hmm. Same way with coyotes. Some of them are mousers. Uh, some of them are, you know, depend a lot. They're just bad at everything, and that's why they're eating the cats and dogs off the porches and because uh, it's easy. Uh, you have certain ones that, that prey on livestock a little bit. They're, they're very – they adapt very well. Um, I wish I had a number on, on, on the average on that. Um, I will say that I've – you know, there's been studies done well, they've they 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 say that they've 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 watched a female and a male because they're, they're a family unit also too. Right. But when they're feeding their puppies, um, they've found twenty something carcasses at 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 the, the entrance of the where they're feeding the puppies. Um, it's it's going to fall a lot into what's your habitat. Um. And a lot of guys disagree with that, and that's that's getting into something. But I will say this: because of predation, that I I, I have done properties, and for some of the 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 most 
high-end properties in the state, what what you would think would be the flagship of hunting land in the state of Alabama. Right. Um, when we went in there and got the original phone calls and said, look, we have a problem. You know, we've been doing study for years. We're doing everything. We're managing the properties, and we're having an 80% mortality rate on our phone population. Um, well, we went in there, and the first year I went in there, and it was in August the first year that I went in. The phones had done hit the ground. They had one phone survive that year is all that they could tell. Um, well, I went in there. I killed 20, and it was on 1,300 acres, mm-hmm. and I killed 27 coyotes in two and a half weeks in August. And that's in August is saying something because that's very, very hard to manage the predators and the heat. It's just the dogs don't want to get off the porch. Um, so the next year after that, they reported what they told us, that their reported losses on their phone recruitment was that year dropped to 5%. And that 5% very well could have been, and I hammered it a couple times after that August. Um, predator management's always going to be an ongoing deal. Mm. It's just it's not a one and done. Um, but we hammered them that year. The next year they said they they think they only lost five percent of their recruitment, and that could have been pneumonia. That could have been diseases. It's not. It could have been. It, you know, you're never going to keep all of them out. But if you keep the majority of them out, you're going to see increases in your smaller game and your in your rabbits, your squirrels. All of that stuff's going to take off. Right. So you have more of a buffet for that coat to eat. So even though there's a couple coyotes left in there, he's got so much more to eat, he's less likely to t- – now, he'll still take that phone if he comes across it, but he's not having to actively hunt for it because there's just a buffet of food in front of him. Right. Abundance of smaller game that's easier it to is. consume. Do they eat, they eat berries and everything else? I, when, I, when, I, when I get a new client that, that's <clears> interested <throat> in doing predator management, and that's what we say we, we run is – our main deal is to make more turkeys, more deer in the state of Alabama. That's what feeds my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is what I tell my people to watch for. Depending on what time of year is, is kind of what the order happens. But say we do it in the winter time, which is the most effective time to manage predators. It, when I get a new piece of property, I tell them, look, the first time I run this process through you, it needs to be in cool weather. Maybe not the dead of winter, but it needs to be cool. I said, you don't. You've got so many people. Well, we need to do it in the summertime. That's when the phones are dropping. I, I am I'm dead set against that. Um, and, and there's reasons. The reasons for that is, like you mentioned just then, that during the summertime, they, they are on fruit. Mm-hmm. I catch the majority of my stuff is either on urine or fruit when I catch them in the summertime. Fruit-based lures, fruit-based baits. Um, I think they actually do more damage to the the phone population once you start getting what this time of year october right. when, it, when you start losing your persimmons start drying up your blackberries are gone and your puppies who are now teenagers who are dumb mm-hmm. like most teenagers mm-hmm. they don't know how to hunt good so when they come across your deer right now is when they're doing the damage to your phone populations you know even though your phone is up and can run he can't outrun a coat much less several of them right um, but w- falling back to what we were on, what I tell my clients when we come into the place, how do you know what I'm doing is being effective? The first thing you're going to notice if I come in on your place and the first time I dress it is in the, is in the winter and you start warming up, hunting season's out, I pull off the place, it's supposed to be springtime, everything's kind of coming to life. 
the first thing you'll notice is just an explosion of small game. And small game, I mean rabbits and squirrels, you're going to see a, a, a just they're going to be everywhere. If you've already got rabbits, you're going to have more than you know what to do with. And even if you have open hardwoods or something, not the habitat's not really great for rabbits. Mm-hmm. You're going to have rabbits. They're going. They're coming. That's going to be a part of it. <laughs> Sanctuary for <With, boy. laughs> With that, with that, and this this goes back to the whole biology people and 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 where we butt heads and stuff like that. And you, you'll have a lot of them talk to us about, well, y'all gonna mess the ecosystem up or whatever if you remove the predators. Well, when you remove the coyotes, which aren't supposed to be part of our ecosystem anyway, right? When you remove them, and I'm knocking everything else back, along with those squirrels and rabbits, you're going to have an increase and go for rats and everything else. It's going to start coming up in a little bit. And that goes to my next part, what I tell the people to watch for, and you're going to see an absolute explosion of predatory birds. That will be the next thing you see that you notice a difference in in the spring, is that you're going to have hawks and owls come in on your place everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, they're like, and you've got a lot of people in the state that hate them, but they're protected, and they are what they are. You may lose a couple turkeys over some, some birds, but really all they're feeding on, the majority of, is they're, they're knocking on where you've had a spike in your rabbits and a spike in your squirrels and your rodents. That's why you're having a spike in them. So what my argument to the biologist is, is that the predatory birds, is, is, is that's what equalizes what I'm doing out. That's, that's, that's to make sure things keep in check. Yeah. The other game that is spiking is the game that we want to pursue as hunters, is, what, is the turkeys and, the, and, uh, and even the squirrels and the rabbits and yeah. the deer, everything like that. Is that that's stuff that we want to chase. Um, the smaller stuff, hey, the birds are going to take care of it. Yeah. And that's, that's not been received in some of the communities like what I thought it would be, but, you know, that's – that's what we see, uh, and that's what I stand by. But it is uh, that's that's open for debate, I guess. Yeah. What about I, I've read and I've hear I hear people say all the time that <clears throat> if you just shoot coyotes when you see them, it's going to make the population, you know, boom. They they start having more babies. Is is, is that is that saying no. correct? No. And this is what you and th- and this is another again. This falls back to me and Auburn arguing. Easy Coy- now, easy. Coyotes, <laughs> coyotes will be known to have differences in what their litter size is going to be. Um, a lot of people's argument, like you were talking about, well, if you go in there and you trap these coyotes down, you'll then see an increase in your in your in your puppies, and you'll have more. And that is not what it is. What you're witnessing is I'm knocking the population down immediately following the food chain is skyrocketing. So, yes, it goes to, without saying, you're going to see more predators attempt to come into your land, either by birth or by relocation, when, they, when they're, the food source is going, going up. But what we're trying to accomplish is to make that game. That's that's the end. That's that's what we're trying to accomplish is, is to make more deer, make more you know turkeys. When you do that, you're going to have higher litter populations. They're they're healthy. You can take a dog out of a truck, and we run across it here in the state. We have a high feral dog population in the woods. We mm-hmm. have a lot of irresponsible pet owners that let them dogs get out, and they become wild. 
And that is – I've seen the, it plenty. That is the yeah. worst. And that's worse than coats when it comes to your native game. Yeah, they're bad right on, up on that mountain and right up on Chihaw. That, there's, there's a bunch up there. There's a bunch of – and depending where we're <laughs> at, I can look at an area when I get into the area and know if we're going to have a problem with dogs. Yeah. With ferals. Right. But you can take those ferals and you can put them out in the woods and they're living on their, – their skin and bones. And you can look at their litter size – and their litter size a lot of time is four puppies, mm -hmm. five puppies. Now, you can take my dogs at the house. And I had a <laughs> bloodhound that she's baby, you know, she's got it made. Yeah. 17 puppies. <laughs> which blew my mind. But it's the same argument. She's healthy. Mm -hmm. She's fed. She's medicated. Everything is right. So she's going to have a higher puppy litter than a dog that is wormy, mangy, and no food. And that's, that's where the argument comes from. It does have a base, but the base for that argument is you are doing what you were attempting to do. You have increased the food chain and you have took the predators down. When you take the predators down, you're going to see disease clear up. The higher po When I get into an area that has a really, really high population of coyotes, has a really high chance of having mange um and it's just a it's an unhealthy nasty looking dog the city of birmingham is a perfect example of it when i went into you're looking at vestavia when i did the job in vestavia right i killed in two weeks in just a little in in a mile and a half square up there i killed 14 coyotes in two weeks 11 of the 14 coyotes out of that city didn't have a lick of hair on them Wow. wow. And it's because even though they were in that square mile and a half, they really were only on a couple of vacant lots is where they were living. Now, at night, they would disperse out and they'd go to people's back porches and snatching cats. But when they would come back together and get out of the public's eye, they were very, very, they were, they were stacked on top of each other. And the disease was crazy. It was crazy. None of them had, they all looked like black panthers. <laughs> no black panther uh, debate that's, that, that's, that's what they look like is it? and that is what a lot of the black panthers are are uh are mangy coats yes yeah. you know they're blue and black and slick and come across that road wide open but uh that's a debate for another day yeah that's funny right there uh can um can a coyote climb a chain link fence yes can he climb? Hey, he'll, climb he'll, he'll climb a ten-foot game fence, and I've got pictures of it to do it. And I invite anybody to look at them, but I collect them. I'll catch them, and they'll go through uh, the game fences that everybody's putting up now. They'll, they'll put predator wire at the bottom of the fences, um, which What's is it? basically predator wire is where they're coming in on top of the game fence, and they're laying. A lot of times, it's anywhere from two foot to four foot wide. Sometimes it's on both sides of the fences, but they're laying it flat on the ground to keep predators from digging up underneath the fences. Basically, it's upside-down T at the bottom of the fence. It yeah. one, two yeah. foot one way, two foot the other way, yes. inside and yes. out. Yes, is upside like down, a, upside like down. chicken down wire or a hog wire? No, it's about like hog wire, hog what wire. a lot of it is. And that's, a, uh, again, I see a lot of guys run, running stuff that's too big. It will amaze you. A coach, in a lot of ways, is like a rat. How they you see a, a mouse go through a hole, you're like, how did he get through that? Right. Stretched himself out. A coat will do the same thing. But I catch coats, and I'll catch them around them fences a lot of times. We'll blind set where they're coming up underneath the fences, and then they'll climb the fence, and they'll go 
to the next size up on what a standard game fence is, which I'm going to say is four and a half by five and a half square, he'll go through that no problem. Because on a game fence, at the bottom has got smaller squares and they get it bigger, get bigger as, it, as it goes up. Right. And it is the second, not the bottom row, but the second row up. I, female coyotes go through it a good bit. And I've seen them. I wow. have seen them with no trap or nothing. Male coyotes are bad about climbing the fences and going through towards the top because a lot of people run bob wire at the top yeah. too, and even angle them back a little bit. Well, they'll go through the large holes at the top, and when they go through them, they get hung up on their backside, mm. the males. Yeah. And we'll find them hanging in the fences. No trap, nothing. It's just where they, they screwed up. Yeah, I'd, I'd hang there too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I've got pictures of that on the site. So, I mean, it is uh, – yeah, they'll climb fences. And there's a pretty good bit of video out in California especially. Now, California, you look – that's a true coat. What California has is is the true coat. And a lot of them is 25-pound, 30-pound coat in California is a huge coat. But them guys out there has got the privacy fences around all the nice neighborhoods, and they got security cameras around, and, and it's it's every day people have them on their security cameras out there coming across privacy fences that are eight, ten foot tall. Jump down, kill the pet, and and look back at the camera and kind of wave at it as it's going back across the top of it. Wow! Right. So the so the black coyotes we have around here, they're just mixed in with a what people call a koi dog. They're just mixed in with like a domesticated I, dog somewhere along the line. I've seen, or what? I've seen several people shoot. Jet black coyotes. I've killed. I've killed one before. Mm-hmm. We kill probably twenty a year, I guess that are black, and then we kill. We kill them every. Every well, I'll put this. I get to laughing a little bit at the term koi wolf and koi dog in the state of Alabama because when you look at it from a genetic standpoint, every coyote in the state of Alabama is both koi dog and koi wolf. They all have from eight to thirty percent domesticated dog and gray wolf genes not red wolf like that's Native. a whole nother debate yeah. but it is gray wolf genes from the northern migration down the domesticated dog genes come from i think the first coach let go in the state of alabama was 1928 in butler county from from fox hunters mm-hmm. and when they put them out there just wasn't anything to breed with well, they're going to breed with something if they can, and they had domesticated dogs. And right. that went on all the way up to the 80s. And in the 80s, you started witnessing, well, there's enough of them here now. They have a foothold. So you can look at it, and, and I've got a mountain of pictures, but you can look at a 1980s coyote and compare it to that modern-day coyote, and they're two different animals completely. We have a much more truer-looking what looks to be a coat now than, than then but the color phases that come in them is all from the wolf but mostly domesticated dog genes and i see hair length change changes um even ears i can see it in the ears a lot of times right. but e- every coyote here has both the wolf and the dog genes and that's why our coats and this is another thing that's that's up for a lot of the studies started coming from out west, Texas, California, and stuff like that, where they've had coyotes from the beginning of time. Um, but again, that was a smaller. He had a different personality. He's a true mouser. Right. He's more of a mouser. There's a big difference when you take a 25 pound predator and put him up against a 45 pound predator. That's a different animal in the woods. He got a bigger belly to feed. Oh, he? he does, and he's a lot more aggressive. He is. I mean, he's 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 
he's a different animal. And that's why there's not enough studies done um, on the there's 19 subspecies of coyote in the Americas now. And the southeastern subspecies is one of the most understudied ones of them all. Because truthfully, we've had them, you know, until 1980s. And yes, they were here before that. But until the 1980s, they did not have a good foothold in the state. But since the 1980s, they've been on a steady incline since then. There's now, present day, in the state of Alabama, there are more coyotes than there ever has been in the history of Alabama, period. What's contributed to the rise in, or the boom in the coyote population in the, the last 20 years, 30 years? Habitat? They are very unique. No. When you look at a coyote, and, and this is an, okay, and here's about the fourth one that I disagree with the biologist is that You'll have a lot of them come and say, well, look, the, the coyote is replacing a niche left by the mountain lion and the, especially the red wolf in the state of Alabama. Well, there's more coyotes now in the state of Alabama in one county than red wolf was ever in the whole state. Right. They're not the same. It, outside of being canines, that's it. That is it. A, a, a wolf is a very key part of a a food chain, an ecosystem, when the prey levels go up in wolf packs, the wolf pack then increases. When the prey levels, the elk, the deer herds go down, the wolf packs follow directly behind it, all the way down to the rabbit. Um, coyotes are not that way. No matter what is happening with our native game population in the state of Alabama, the coyotes' numbers, our, our numbers in our game, you, you hear it every day. It's why we're doing this podcast is a lot of people are saying there's no turkey and no deer. And on public land and, and land that is not managed to its full extent, they are seeing that. And what it is is even though our numbers is dropping on so much of our game, the coyote population is just straight climbing. And it's because they're so adaptive. They're eating out of garbage cans. They're eating, bare, you know, they're an omnivore, not a yeah. car carnivore. A right. wolf is a carnivore. Right. And and that's the that's the difference between them. He follows the herd. He I, does. He does. And I, a coyote doesn't. Coyote don't, he can he Coyote got his house and he's staying there. He can he can, he can find whatever he needs. What's his eat. home range? About to in the it depends on the terrain. Like if you're in if you're in pine and clear thickets and so much of our state unfortunately now is a pine tree. Um if you're in the eight year old pines, you know, where they're still pretty thick, um, clear cut, stuff like that, you're looking at about two thousand acres. If you get into pasture land, plains, stuff like that, like a lot of the cattle land is, 6,000 acres. Wow. So they have an extremely large range. And that's another thing, back, falling back to the people, well, when I kill my coyotes, I just got other ones filtering in. Well, they'll go in and they'll try to kill a coyote and work with him for a couple of weeks and kill a few of them. But especially in the summertime where so many people are saying, well, that's when I need to trap. What they may cover in their range in the wintertime may take a night or two. That same amount of coverage may take a month in the summer. He's just not moving. All he's got to do to eat is open his mouth and there's grasshopper. You can split your gut open in, in the summer months, and it is 80% fruit, 20% grasshoppers on most most of them. <laughs> it is. It's a huge – I catch them. I, you'd be surprised. Yeah. They have a very distinct smell to them, and there's some lures out there that is grasshopper-based. Really? Yes. Well, what about what about your foxes? Red fox are going to be, in 20 years from now, are probably going to be protected in the state of Alabama because of coats. 
they're not the only places you're really seeing them is around if you've got your hunting land out there and you've got your your little cabin and your barn mm -hmm. that's where you see the red fox um around residential areas and neighborhoods and stuff red foxes are flourishing um but if you go to the woods and you're out in the woods they're they're becoming you know we used to catch 100 of them a winter and now we catch 12 a year and we're relocating if we don't release them most of the time on the reds right now difference between a red and a gray is a gray can climb a tree he has seen a slower decline in his numbers because of his ability to evade a coyote. Mm -hmm. But he is still declining because although he can climb a tree and she can climb a tree, their kids cannot. And they're still digging the dens up and killing the puppies when they come across them. They're just not killing the mature gray fox. Um, we did, we, we, the grays are pretty plentiful in Alabama. They're, there's no, there's not, they're not hurting at all, really. There's been a small decline in them a little bit, and we do – when we do our predator management, we take the fox off of them. Now the reds, like I said, we've got to where we're actually relocating reds. Um, Dad's got a soft spot for them. Right. Have you have y'all talked to the biologists in the state about this, about the reds? Everybody knows what's happening with them. They're, the whole country has has had that problem. The only place I know, um, you can look at East Pennsylvania. And I know uh, Phil Brown's up there, and he, he catches anywhere from twelve to 1,500 red fox per winter, mm. which is crazy. That's like what we're catching raccoons in. And years ago, you say a decade ago, you could look at his picture and he'd have all of his fox laid out in his picture there. That's, something, that's one of the top guys in the country. Um, and in that picture, he would have one or two coyotes. Mm. And the last few years, you look at his picture, and they – 30 coyotes and that's the last region that the coyotes are, are getting into and now and already his drop is his his catch is starting to drop a little bit right now you it look at the spotted skunk in the state of alabama it's gone if anybody's seen one you need to call your state and right. let them know because i think they've probably been declared you know on the endangered list i know in the state of alabama um, up in this north, we're, we're in Oxford right now, and I think up here is probably one of the last, when you get in the hills and the rocks, is mm -hmm. one. I haven't seen a spotted skunk in a decade. Wow. Yeah, probably. And I see a lot of animals. Yeah. And that's one, it's, it's, it is, part of it is due to humans, but a very small part. It is, it, it, the majority of it is because of coyotes. Wow. And we catch even though now we still have plenty of striped skunks it's just the spotted skunk is what's really took the hit and they kill every striped skunk they come across it's just we had a higher population but the way we're catching our coats is, is skunk is we use skunk essence is a big part of it because it smells so strong it's what was supposed to be their protection is their undoing when it comes to coyotes, coyotes. yeah wow i just go to show you coyotes wasn't supposed to be here not no, this not. part of the country anyway no. wow so uh, on your baiting lures, do uh, do y'all develop them, or do y'all y'all develop them and then like uh, make them in house? Do y'all? Uh, no, we do every and everything to this point, which I know is eventually going to change. Um, almost everything that we sell is has been caught in house, because um, we put up on crazy amount of numbers. Um, but it's just like like. Coats are doing different stuff different parts of the year. 
Um, sometimes it's better to catch them with bait, but there's at times, just like how if any of you've got dogs, when the neighbor's dog goes into heat, well, you can go outside and pour dog food in your dog's bowl, and he ain't eating. He's standing at the fence over there looking at your neighbor's property if he ain't done climb the fence. Coach is the same way. There's certain times of year. February in the state of Alabama is usually what we're looking at. I'll start seeing guys on, on, on the computer a lot of times. Man, I don't, they're gone. They ain't, I can't catch them. What happened? And this, well, you're just trying to catch them with bait, and they ain't caring about bait at all. Mm-hmm. They got one thing on the mind. Now, when they come off of that and they haven't ate for three weeks, different story. They're hungry as all get out. But then you start getting into spring and you start getting fruit. Well, when it starts warming up, their bodies start calling for sugar. Well, we swap our stuff, goes into a, 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 a fruit base. There's a lot of it. But it's just like bass fishing. You kind of match the hatch, and you kind of do, if your fish is spawning, you, you, your coyotes are breeding. You kind of attack them in similar ways. Um, if, they're, if they're eating on fruit, hey, use some fruit. If they're eating on meat, when it starts, when the, the days start getting shorter and the temp starts dropping, their body starts calling for fatty. And, and, and that's kind of what our baits and lures go to. Um, but it's a, it's interesting. You better have a big tackle. But if you're going to manage your own property, we'll say this. If the old guys that used to do in the 70s and 80s, we talked to a lot of guys, and my dad's one of them, um, was fur trappers. They chased fur. And you could take them guys and you could, you could give them one bait Two or three different lures. Give them a gland lure. Give them a, 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 something with skunk in or something real loud. Calls them for a while. Um, maybe something else. And and they can fill the truck up because they're constantly moving. But if you're on your same, if you have your set piece of property, your goal is not to kill us, go around just chasing pelts. Your goal is to keep the predators off your land. You better have a deep tackle box and know what you're doing if you're going to do it really effective. What do you feel? Uh, what do you think about? Do you hunt deer hunt? I do. What do you think? Didn't about? go last year, believe it or not. And I, I, I shot the two years ago. I killed a one seventy-eight and five eighths. Dang! Wow. In Alabama? Uh huh. Wow. Off one hundred and fifty acres that we were managing. So wow. Look and okay. Let's fall to the deer hunting real quick. And this is really probably going to get them. <laughs> they may be some people turning this off. Um, but I see a lot of places, and like I said, I take I take care of about forty high fences. Everybody has their opinion about high fences. We're not going to sit here and talk into that. I know a lot of them are actually pretty beneficial for for a lot of stuff. I understand there's there's different there's, – that's a whole other discussion. But the thing with high fences is I've had saltwater aquariums, and they're, they're comparable because if you have a high fence that is taken care of, you can you can see crazy results come out of it. Same with the saltwater aquarium. If you do everything right with that saltwater aquarium, you can have just an unbelievable aquarium, pretty to look at. People come over and love your aquarium, all that kind of stuff. But with that aquarium, let something go, get a parasite in it. And in two or three days, the aquarium is dead. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with a high fence. It's a contained environment. And when you get a problem in a high fence, whether it's disease, predator, whatever it is, it, 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 it happens much, much faster. Okay, now, this is something, again, Auburn hates me about some of them down there, and they told me there was no way we can make this study. And I said, I've been doing the study already. I know the result. I'm trying to just – some people don't want to listen right. to, because I don't have that degree. Um, 
but if you do, I have I have a a section of high fences I'm I'm doing that is is three thousand. They took three thousand acres, and within that three thousand acres, it's a natural deer population, and they and they've divided it up into three sections, thousand acres apiece. The the seed companies they're using is the same. It's the same genetics. Um, the minerals is the same. The guys slap each other on the back. The camp houses are all inside a forty-acre spot. They, mm-hmm. They're they're it's a it's a it's a unique situation, but everything is the same within three thousand acre lots except one thing. One guy has decided to use me to his full extent, while the other two have. We got enough. We don't worry about. You know, we've got enough deer. We right. don't need to spend the money on that. And that's fine. I, you know, I don't need to work. I can't get to the work that I've got now. Well, that went on for years. And every year, with all elements of, of, of it being the same, the one guy produced larger deer every year. And the only difference was me. <laughs> and my stance on that is high predation causes stress. Stress is detrimental to anybody's health look at people for example the number one killer of people in america near about a distress and heart attacks right. along with outside of can't i mean it's up there deer is the same way so if you take all all everything you're managing and everything is the same except you've you've got high predators in two fences and no predators in one fence he's come in run predator wire and has got me in there three times a year and he's consistently for four years killed larger deer well this year the the second fence is they've hired me so it was enough for them to change their mind. But I've been told there's no way to conduct that. My, my, my statement on that is that not only will it, it is removing the predators will make you have more game than anything else, including habitat improvement. And I see deer raised every day in cow fields with sheds eating out of troughs. I see it. They don't have to have that habitat. They have to have protection. Right. What what we're saying is that is the number one way to increase. Habitat improvement is very important. And I've seen the other side. I've seen people that did predator management and not do the habitat improvement, and they were suffering because not doing the habitat improvement. Once they come in and did the habitat improvement, now they're like, you know, we should have did this years ago. That's been going on for a while. In the last couple of years, I've said, look, I'm telling you, you can raise healthier deer and healthier game. And on top of that, not even saying, and this is without a shadow of a doubt, that's, that's very debatable, what I said just then. But I, I beg somebody to disprove me. So what, what, what I will say on that is, what you, another thing that goes back to earlier, we were talking about the changes, and I went into the predatory birds and then the explosion of game. The third thing that you would have seen in, the, in your changes when I'm doing that is, is changes in your existing game's behavior meaning your deer are going to feed in your fields in daylight. Your deer are going to be at your feeders more. When we catch a lot of our predators, we're catching them at feeders because the, the predators aren't dumb. They know that's where the game is. Why wouldn't they hunt there? Mm-hmm. All right, your turkeys are number one on it. You hear guys all the time now, I, you know, turkeys don't gobble no more. Well, would you? Yeah, if you was being hunted. If Michael you know, Myers was hunting that's you. That's what I'm saying. I mean, or sit out there and whistle for Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, go to, when you go to Iraq or Afghanistan right now, you don't 
sit around yeah. yelling. You sit back and quiet and you look, and that's what the game is doing. Now, when you take the predators out of the equation, they cut up and carry on. That is the mo That is actually, I've had guys, clients, that's probably our number one call that we get after we've done a place a few months ago by, and I'll have a lot of times it's after turkey season, and I'll have guys call and say, we killed more turkeys this year than we've ever killed. Well, game, the numbers have not had time. They're just now facing a breed. They haven't had time to increase their numbers, but their behavior patterns changed. And they, you know, that's a lot of times when we get a phone call of guys thanking us, that's, that's what they're saying. It's like, look, I seen more turkeys. I said, well, look, the turkeys have always been there. We haven't had a chance to, to increase your numbers yet. That takes time. But their behavior patterns change pretty directly. On your deer, it'll take about three years before you really are just like, Woof. Because tell me about the population with the population increase in numbers is what I mean. If you're real, it depends on the amount of studying you're doing. If you've got, if you're doing, if you're doing your studies right and you've got cameras up and you're really, really keeping track with your recruitment, you'll immediately know when your phone recruitment is is the first year. But for a lot of people that don't have the time and the resources to sit back and 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 really go into all of that. It may be a couple of years before they're just like, man, I've got more deer now than I don't. We, we've got properties that kill 100 does a year is what they is what they have. If they don't, they're going to have problems because there's nothing else killing them. If they don't harvest that 100 does a year, you're then going to be looking at what the biologists weren't warned against, and that is is problems with diseases, things right. of that nature. I've um, seen that firsthand. It mm -hmm. is. It is. And then the game fence is this bad in some of the game fences. Mm -hmm. It is. What do you think about the Conservation Advisory Board and their ban, or suggestive ban on lures? How do you feel about that? Knee, on urine? Yeah. Knee-jerk reaction a little bit, but I... There's too many other ways that it can be spread to, to do that. I know if they try to ban urine on canine trapping we're in bad shape because that's very very it's, it's was that risky. suggested no. at the meeting you went not meet yeah but it that, i mean the the um cwd is a whole different animal but 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 transmitting that disease through urines just it's not that big of an issue compared to some of the other things um it's a knee-jerk reaction it's just like the the same reaction that they had about um they're trying to decrease the bag limit um from five to four, and they're blaming it on the hunters. And it's 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 not the hunters. For the guys that are older in the 70s and 80s that know in the 70s particularly, the state of Alabama was just having a crazy – you, you couldn't drive your car down the road because deer were hitting your car. Right. And it, we, we, we had – they said then we had the highest game population in the state. And the reason being was that the – you kill a raccoon, it was $30. Well, that translates to, what, 150 now or something, you know. If they paid me, if they paid $150 per raccoon in the state of Alabama to present day, you couldn't drive your car down the road again because there'd be turkeys flying in the wind. Well, you know, it'd be crazy. Right. But, but, but with what happened was in early 1980s when the fur market dropped, it went from booming to nothing you immediately seen a reversal in the game population that has been on a steady decline 
since then. Along with the fur market dropping, you now had the coyotes entering into the population, which until the 80s wasn't a problem. Um, and then on top of that, you had hogs. And in the last 20 years, that has really that's something else we've got more now than we've ever had. So between the, the hogs and the coyotes and the lack of the fur market, that is what is, is causing the state to have the drop in pursuable game. It is not because people are limiting it out. There's only, I think, a 7% of turkey hunters are using game checks saying, hey, I killed my five turkeys. What did you if, say a percentage was? I think it's 7%. I'm is, pretty is that what the state said? Yes. yes. Wow. And, and it's going to be more than that. You're going to have guys that kill – Five turkeys that don't call five turkeys, and you're going to have guys kill 20 turkeys. Them guys, no matter what you do to that yeah. game law, that's not going to change what that's they're right. doing. Outlaws and outlaws. The, you know? the legal guys, the 7%, all you're doing is taking a turkey, something that they're very passionate <clears throat> about. You're taking it away from them because you're blaming a problem on something that the problem is originating from something else. And it's it, it's not it at all. It is, it is the amount of predators that we're now seeing in the state. Right, right. Well, Sean, I know you got to go, buddy, and I appreciate you doing this. No, no problem. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? DownSouthTrappers.com. Mm-hmm. That's our website, and y'all can reach us on that. Um, can you order lures from there as well? You can. We've got the lures, the DVDs. How to, and our DVDs that we've made were not – they were put out for deer hunters is what we've, we've – we've put the DVDs out, and they were top-notch. I know y'all like this the guy that filmed it's one that did Nick Saban's daughter's wedding he's top-notch guy loved it yeah um but it but it we we, we designed it it, it it was very basic but it is it is it's high quality um matter of you, fact we got one was at the deer show yep you yep. can you can you can contact us through the uh through the website you can uh email us at dstrappers.com or the easiest way truthfully nowadays the way the social media and everything's blowed up is that there is a uh facebook page down south Tra- trappers group Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're not a me- to, yeah. if you're not a member, you need to be a member. Yeah. It's it's us bull messing. I think you know it's it's grown for it only to be about two years. But if you've ever got a question or ever got you know a problem, or even if you're looking for a guy, I would say this: if you're looking for a guy, you just want somebody to come in. You can hire. You can look up guys like myself. That and I and I'm gonna cost you. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm I, I do it for a living, and I'm and I'm costing. But there's a lot of guys that just love doing it. That they're, they're effective at what they're doing. Right. Um, you can find them guys on our site, and you may not even have to go into your pocket. What if there's some young kid or some young guy or some old fella that wants to ask you some questions? Would you give him some information on how to trap and what to buy and everything? Anytime, anytime. Awesome. And we have the expo. Like I said, another good way, and this is excluding us, but if you, if you look at the Alabama Trappers Association, which is the state-run association for the trappers, um, I would recommend anybody. It's twenty dollars a year, I right. think, and it's it's helping us fight some of the laws. Like there's there's some things that we are trying to get legalized. Um, snaring on on private land is one of the big things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other that I've got pushing legislation too. But as everybody knows, fighting legal battles take a little bit of money. Yep. Uh, so that's where that twenty dollars goes. Y'all got a show coming up, right? We do. There's uh, it's the Southeastern Regional. It'll be in Rainsville, Alabama. It's October 5th, 6th, and 6th. It's this, this, this upcoming weekend is when it is. But we will have – every year there's an expo um, 
we can be found at every all the deer expos and stuff like that right. as far as the down south trappers um if you're just outside of us if you're just interested in doing the trapping aspect of it and just don't want to talk to me which is understandable a lot of folks don't <laughs> um the the trapping associations has shows every year there's and the kids let me push that the kids there's a lot of youth trapping classes that happen in the state every year and you i know when you take your kid to do the 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 hunting where you get your hunt uh what's it called you're talking you, about the hunter's education, hunter education. Hunter, okay and you can when you go there and you do that there's information to go to the trappers education program and what it is is it's a youth classes there's there's a ton of classes throughout the the you know winter across the state run by the state um that is teaching kids how to trap and they'll teach and they'll go in there they, it's a classroom environment at first and then they take them in the field put them in the water Put them on the ground. Let them catch the coyotes. Let them catch the muskrats. Let them do you know. Get them involved. That's awesome. Um, well, you got a lot of people like us. That's that's a part of it. Like I do. You know, we volunteer and help the state because the state's got limited funds when it comes to that. But when it comes to the kids, if you want, if you're ha- if you're so many of us, and I'm 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 bad about it too. When you're taking your kid hunting and you're wanting to get your kid involved in the outdoors, and anybody that's got children realizes this, even taking them fishing sometimes, when you have young kids, it's, it's best to take them maybe brim fishing right. in a pond to keep them actively involved. If you try to take them in summertime on the rivers in the state right now to catch bass, they're going to be bored and sleep. And, and, Sunburnt. You know, yeah, and just <laughs> ate up. I mean, it's not that enjoyable for and the And hating kid. fishing. Okay, well, the same goes with deer hunting. The deer hunting, we're, we're taking the kids now, and the kids going to the shooting house. We take them straight out there to the shooting house in the morning, and they either, A, fall asleep, or B, they've got an iPod, uh, iPad in their in their lap. Yeah. And they're sitting like this the whole time, and you're the one that's actually hunting. Yeah. And when the deer comes out, sure, you may, you may get the kid up, or you may try to keep him involved some, but it's hard to keep them actively involved. With trapping, you're not going to – it is constant. It is point you're moving from point A to you're moving from one trap to another. Your likelihood of having an animal in, in so many traps, even if it's just possums, to a four or five year old kid, a possum is a is a it's great. They love them. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and and I'm gonna tell you, when they get something like a bobcat in a trap, it's insane. My little girl has been on my back since she was eighteen months old running wow. traps. Um and it's been me and her most of the time. I, she 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 goes to work on me. She started pre-K this year, so she's not going to be able to go as much this winter. But uh, I keep her in the woods. But it, as far as getting the kids involved, it is hard to beat trapping. It's for one, just letting them learn the sign from anything from reading the tracks, because that's a big part of what trapping is. Um, but it's, their involvement level is much higher than what it would be in sitting in a tree stand yeah. or sitting in a bass boat. So it's, right. it's more like brim fishing for them. Well, that's good. Y'all do a lot of good. Well, Bud, I sure appreciate you being on, and uh, I hope we can get you back on again. Oh, yeah, you're welcome anytime, Sean, anytime. Oh, we'll be around, man. I ain't going nowhere. At least I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I appreciate it. All right. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook. It's Alabama Sportsman on Facebook, and you can follow us on Instagram. Just put in the number one and Alabama Sportsman. It's all one word on Instagram. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel. It's Alabama Sportsman. And if you have any questions or any ideas for any upcoming uh, shows or if you'd like to be on the show, 
email us at alabamasportsman at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your app store and download the Podbean app so you can keep up with everything that's going on around the state. For Landon Holtman, I'm Jamie Sparks, and thanks for listening to the Alabama Sportsman. So won't you bury me in Dixie beneath these Alabama pines? And take me to Tuscaloosa, plant me under the 50-yard line and put me in an old truck, a Ford or Chevrolet and Drive me down the gun